Let's open up God's Word to 1 Kings, if you will. Um, the title of this message today is, It's Never Too Late to Do the Right Thing. It's never too late to do the right thing. So we celebrate today Father's Day and honoring our dads, honoring our granddads. And I want to speak to the dads and the granddads here today and anybody that has any responsibilities and privileges to oversee children, whether you're biologically connected with them or not. Where there's a responsibility that's a privilege that we have as, as fathers that the Lord has given us. And, 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 and mothers too as well, but certainly as Father's Day, no one said that being a parent would be easy. Um, it's really not. In fact, it's probably the hard, one of the hardest jobs on the planet, especially in this day and age. But if you have children or grandchildren today, I, I hope this message will encourage you uh, with some, some things in God's Word that hopefully would help you to walk out parenthood a little more effectively going forward. As I said, it's never too late to do the right thing. So I want us to look at three things quickly based in God's Word that's hopefully going to help us as we navigate through the seasons and the challenges and the joys and the privileges of being um, uh, a parent or being a dad. The first one that I want to look at this morning is found in 1 Kings. And if you want to write this down, if you're taking notes, I just want you to write down choices matter. Choices matter. Choices matter. 1 Kings chapter 16 verses 25 and 26 is an example of what I'm talking about. There's many examples in the Old Testament, certainly in the New Testament as well. But First Kings, First uh, and Second Kings, uh, it, it talks about all the different kings that that ruled over Israel and and Judah. And there's a gentleman, one of them by the name of Omri. And First Kings chapter 16, verse 25 says, "But Omri did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and he sinned more than all those before him." So that's pretty significant. He followed completely the ways of Jeroboam, the son of Naboth, committing the same sin Jeroboam had caused Israel to commit, so that they aroused the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, by their worthless idols. So we look at this and see this as a, not a good example of how to be. And sometimes you can take examples in the Bible and say, okay, how not to be like that? And that's one of these examples here. And so let's talk about Omri for just a little bit. And there's two things about this that I want to point out about Omri's life. First off, it's the life that we model. We're modeling a life, dads and granddads. Before our children, before our grandchildren, it matters what we say. Write that down. It matters what, say, it matters what I say. It, the words matter. It matters what I say. Did you know that the words that you say to your children and your grandchildren, they mold them, they shape them, in one way or another, by the way, they can either build up, they can tear down. And did you know that your words, dad and granddad, actually hold more value than the words of a friend at school, a coworker, or anybody else on social media? Words heard, but your words are more valuable. There's more weight to your words than any other words Dads, you can speak life. You can speak a future. You can speak uh, all kinds of positive things into your children's life. Or you can tear them down. And many of us probably are sitting here today saying, I had a dad who tore me down. Or I had a dad who built me up. I had a dad. You can go either way on that. And I understand that not all of us have had 
wonderful fathers. I'm thankful that I can say that I do have a wonderful father. Appreciate him speaking into my life and saying words that matter to me that built me up. But words matter. It matters what we say. So dads, guard your tongues. And ask the Holy Spirit to help you to not say words that would be devastating to your kids, but instead build them up. Next thing is, in how we model our lives, it matters how we treat others. How are you treating your spouse? How are you treating your wife? Are you honoring her in front of your kids? Are you speaking kindly to her in front of your kids? Are you loving her in front of your kids? How about your neighbors, your co-workers, or even total strangers? How are you treating people in the day-to-day? It matters how you treat others because you're modeling for them the way that they look at it and say, well, if my dad's doing it, then it must be all right to think that way, act that way, talk that way, be that way towards people. And how you are towards your spouse, towards your other, towards the other, the other siblings, towards your co-workers, towards people in general, is how, by and large, your child would potentially treat others. And so, boy, let's honor our wives, husbands. Let's, let's honor those around us. Let's treat them kindly. Let's be Christ-like. Let's not be ugly, because our kids will look and see what you're doing and mimic you. We're creating a a model for them. So it matters how you treat others. It matters the habits that you embrace. Talks about these worthless idols that Omri embraced here. They're worthless idols. That's a pretty interesting couple of words there. What sort of worthless idols do you have in your life? What are you embracing in your life? What is it that you're doing that is pointing people, uh, that is pointing your children to Jesus? Do you just drink in front of them and say it's okay to just be a drinker? Do you do things, whatever they would be, the habits that you embrace, the worthless idols that you pursue in your life? What is it that you're doing in your life that's a habit that you're embracing, that's a worthless idol, that is not doing anything helpful to your children, what are the things that you're doing that are detrimental to modeling for them the life of Christ? Very important. The things that you say, the things that you do, and the way that you treat others. And I ask you this morning, dads, granddads, men of God, please model well for your children and your grandchildren and those that are looking up to you, whatever the case may be. And let the Holy Spirit work in you to say, those words, those actions, those habits, those priorities are not helpful to your witness of what you want to do to model Christ. And then let Him change those things around. Be a model that models Christ-likeness in everything that we say and everything that we do, and everything that we think. And your children have a better chance, (laughs) not a guaranteed chance, but a better chance of modeling that that you model for them. Meaning that, Jesus, I want to be like you. So kids, I want you to be like me as I try to be like Christ. 
And that's really the wonderful flow there. Not perfect in any way, ever, but doing what we can to lean in to being a model. Because not only is it a life that we model, the choices that we make, but there's also a legacy that we leave. We've got to keep in mind that our life is not our own. Sometimes we live our lives in this sort of, I think, vacuum that we think that the choices that we make and the words that we say have no impact on anybody else and I'm just going to live my life the way that I want to and let everybody else kind of fend for themselves. But there is a ripple effect that takes place because men of God, dads and granddads, there's a legacy that you're going to leave for your kids and you're leaving it now. And one day, should the Lord tarry and you pass away, your sons and daughters and those that look up to you are going to grow up and have kids of their own, what's going to happen? Well, we see here Omri did more evil than any other king before him. He kind of, kind of imagined this trophy that however you want to imagine it in your mind is called a wicked trophy, whatever that would look like. And he's got it on his fireplace mantle. And he's very proud of it, um, of being the most evil king that God's chosen people, by the way, had ever had up to that point. But wait... And I wouldn't, I'm actually, by the way, I wouldn't want that label to be saddled with. You're the most evil dad that the world has ever known. You're the most, most vile person. I don't think anybody in their right mind would want that label. But here's Omri, and then here we are potentially having a title of being whatever it would be. And I want a title that's a man of God. How about you? I want a title that's, you know, that, that's, that, that, my, that my sons and my grandchildren could look up to. I strive to that. So here's Omri with this awful title and he left this legacy because the reason I know it is because we continue reading and his son was watching and following right in his footsteps and you're going to recognize this name and it actually says even in the description that he not only followed in his dad's evil footsteps but even more so than his father. Because we look at 1 Kings chapter 16 and we read verse 28 and it says Omri rested with his ancestors and was buried in Samaria. So he died and we know how this progression works is that the son takes over. Who's his son? Ahab. Ahab. His son succeeded him as king. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. More evil than his dad. Not only did he consider it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nabot, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbel, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal and he built in, that he built in Samaria. And Ahab also made an Asherah pole, which is just a false god, and did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than all the kings of Israel before him. So it's almost like Ahab was saying, Dad, I'll call your evil and I'll raise you a trivial wickedness to boot. I'll take that trophy from you and I'm going to make it even more so wicked. Ahab out-eviled his own dad in ways that his dad never even dreamed of. And sin became, I think this is so interesting how it described it, sin became trivial to him. In other words, it was no big deal. In other words, it was the norm. It was just, it was just right was wrong and wrong was right. It's just the normal thing to do. And furthermore, he went by marrying this evil Jezebel fully embracing her culture that worshipped false, the false god of Baal. Choices matter. Who we marry matters. So thankful that I've married a godly woman who has kept me 
straight and narrow and pointed me to Jesus at all times. I'm so thankful that I have a wife who loves Jesus. The friends we choose matter. If you're not careful, the friends you choose are going to pull you away from. You're going to go and worship their idols. You're going to go and latch on to who, what they believe in and it's going to draw you away. Your friends matter who you choose. Our belief systems that we embrace and live out, they matter. Highly important to follow the ways of the Lord because we're leaving a legacy because they not only impact our lives for better or worse, they will leave a legacy that our children will have to deal with. They'll emulate it. They'll worship it. They'll exalt it. They'll expand it if we're not careful. It's never too late to do the right things. It's not too late, men of God, dads, granddads. It's not too late to stop right now and say, okay, if that's the case, then starting today, I'm going to change my course. I was going this way and I'm being a bad example in these things that I'm doing and saying. And now, from here on out, with the Lord's help, I'm going to go this way. It's never too late to do the right things. That leads us to the next part of our story. And that is this. Because if you'll write this down, faithfulness is the key. Faithfulness is the key. I want you to look at 1 Kings again. But we're going to move to the next chapter, chapter 17. We're going to look at verse 1. Now Elijah. That's all we really have to say. But I'm going to continue on. Now Elijah, the Tishbite, from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, he just shows up. That's the first time we see anything about Elijah. He just shows up and he's already got connections with and access to Ahab. And he says to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, he not only, as the Lord, of, as the, Lord the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, I'll say that again, whom I serve, the Lord God whom I serve, that's important, because Ahab knew about the Lord God of Israel who lived, but he didn't serve him. Elijah, in this line of delineation, this contrast, this antithesis to the evil Ahab said, whom I serve, I'm serving him, you're not. And therefore, this is what the Lord says, there's neither going to be dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. It's like, whoa, okay. Yeah. So here's Elijah showing up, a man who wholeheartedly served God. And he spoke to Ahab in a way that he wasn't afraid to confront evil. Now think about this situation. It's as if you, man of God, were to go to whatever commander-in-chief in this world that you would want to go to. Think about the most evil commander-in-chief of any nation. And imagine yourself going directly to their throne, to their office, to their place of, of rule, and saying, as the Lord lives whom I serve, the God of Israel... There will be this, this, and this, and see you later. Imagine the boldness. Imagine that he was, the, 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 the sense he wasn't afraid. I, I'm not sure I'd have that sort of boldness, frankly. But Elijah wasn't afraid to confront evil. Elijah was not intimidated by others. Social media didn't shut him down. The wokeness of his generation, as much as they tried, could not cancel Elijah. You hear me, men of God? Elijah bravely served God in the midst of rampant evil. 
I sure am glad that that was taking place back then because there's certainly nothing like that going on today. Right? He knew that he was on the right side of history because he was on the Lord's side. And when you're on the Lord's side, you're on the right side of history. How many wants to be on the right side of history? Then who's on the Lord's side? Say amen. Amen. By the way, it's not only the Lord's side, but it's the winning side. (laughs) We're on the winning side. You man of God today are on the winning side. So stay faithful to God. Because faithfulness matters. Don't straddle the fence. Serve God only. Stop. Yeah, but Monday through Saturday, I got some friends to impress. Monday through Saturday, I got another life to live that no one really knows about. I'm putting on my Jesus hat on Sunday morning and my Jesus coat on Sunday morning and my Jesus words on Sunday morning the rest of the week. No, no, no. Stop straddling the fence. Serve God only. Faithfulness matters. As for me and my house. As for me and my house. Men of God say this. As for me and my house. That's right. Let there be no compromise in your life, guys. Let there be no compromise. Elijah boldly represented God when few others did. And Lord knows we need that today more than any other time, I believe, in human history. It seems there were more people serving Baal and following Ahab and Jezebel than serving and loving God. But Elijah stayed focused on God and stood firm in the faith. Amen? Amen. So, how do we look at Elijah's example and put it over to where we are today? Well, faithfulness matters. Boldness matters. No compromise matters. I love what his name means. Elijah, if you break it down, means God is the eternal. God is the eternal. So when it's all said and done, Elijah was really representing to us today and how we men of God, Elijahs of this generation, can also be today. And when it's all said and done, and when it's all over with, that all will remain is the eternal God. Is the God of the universe, the God of everything seen and unseen. And those who place their faith in Jesus Christ, because, again, God is what? Eternal. Governments are going to come and go. Nations are going to rise and fall. Leaders are going to come and go. But God is eternal. And faithfulness matters. All the rest of this evil is going to be one day swept away. And even so, come Lord Jesus. So stay faithful, man of God, because you're on the winning side. Elijah stayed true to God. He wasn't perfect. I mean, you can can read. He became discouraged at times. He wanted to give up at times. But he remained faithful even during those difficult times because he knew that as he turned to God for strength and help, that God would see him through. So, men of God, Dads today, I know it's a challenge to be a dad. I know it's a challenge to be a man of God. But I'm so thankful that God is here to see us through. I I, I just want to remind you of a story real quick. And I I know the time and I'm very conscious of it. But it reminds this, this, this whole... I love the story of the prodigal son and the prodigal father. You know the story that... The father had a, an older son and a younger son. The younger son said, I want my inheritance now. And so the, the father said, sure, here you go. 
and the younger son went away and he spent his money foolishly on partying and all kinds of stuff. He spent all of his money and he ended up at a place where he was even considering eating the food that the pigs were fed. And he finally came to his conscience, his senses. He kind of, kind of came, came aware of what, where I am and he said, okay, I'm going to devise a plan to go back to my dad. Because even his servants are eating better than this. So I'm going to go back and apologize and ask him if I could be a servant. We know the story. He came down the road and the dad saw him from his front porch and ran to him. Knocked him over with an embrace, I would imagine. Hugged and kissed him and said, welcome and put on the robe of sonship and threw a party for him and brought him back. I love that story. There's four things that I want you to write down, men of God, dads, that's going to help you today in this story very quickly. How, what can, there's so much we can learn from this story, but there's four things that I feel like the Lord gave me because I'm walking through this as well. I'm a dad, two sons, I have grandchildren, you know, I, I've got responsibilities as an example to other people as well. I, I, I want to be faithful. And I want to be like that prodigal father, you know. I want to be like that dad. Really, it's a representation of Jesus and us. We know that. But what can I do as a dad in, in, in my, with my sons, with my grandchildren? I think consistency, if you write down that word, is important. Consistency. It's being consistent... Just keep showing up in your kids' lives. Just be present. Be consistent. It's hard, I know. Sometimes you just want them to just go away and never come back. I get it. It's true. See, the laughs here mean, yeah, I got kids like that too, you know. Sometimes you just want to wring their necks, don't you? What are you thinking? What are you doing? But you just got to keep showing up in your kids' lives. Just keep showing up. Be consistent. The prodigal son remembered his dad in this way. I mean, think about it. He was in this pigsty, and he, he was probably debating, well, I, you know, I can go back to my dad, but I'm not sure he'll take me because he's a pretty hard guy, and, 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 and he was really not there for me, and, 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 and he just wasn't consistent. He wasn't present in my life. That's not the case because the fact is, is he was thinking through it. He's saying, you know what? I can go back to my dad because I know he's going to love me because he's been consistent in my life up to this point. And he's not going to change because he's been consistently loving to me. He's been consistently there for me. He knew his dad would take him back because his dad had shown consistent love towards him all those years. Is that good? So if you have a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter, or maybe one day you might, just be there for him right now. Just be there for him. Just be consistent. Because one day if they go off, I've got to trust that they're coming back. Be patient. Be patient, men of God. In the sometimes wild swings of childhood and adolescence and even adulthood, your kids are going to punch your buttons and test you. And they know just the buttons to push, don't they? But be patient. Be patient. It's a fruit of the Spirit. The prodigal dad knew his son was in trouble. He felt it in his heart. 
I'm sure. He knew his son had foolishly chosen to leave and to experience life on his own terms, but the prodigal dad remained patient with the process because God was working on his son. And the prodigal dad knew that the wise thing to do was to be patient with the process that God was working in his son's heart. Do you trust God? Well, that's the next thing. Trust. Trust. You've got to trust that God is working in your kids' lives. You've got to trust the Lord. He doesn't, he doesn't need your help. Now, are your kids struggling? Trust God with them. Are your kids making poor choices? Trust God with them. The prodigal dad didn't jump on his camel and go rescue his son from the pigsty. He didn't, he didn't get in front of God and try to take the reins from him. He most likely, I would imagine, prayed for him and then trusted God was working to redeem his son's heart. So be patient, but also trust God. Easier said than done, because we want to take the reins. Guys, I know you. You know, we're wired, most of us, that way. We're just going to get it done. Pull by the horn and get it done. Yeah. You've got to trust God in the process. And finally, love. No matter what, just love your kids with the love of Jesus. Even if they're nowhere around, even if, they're, if you're not in contact with them, even if they have shut you off from their existence, you can still love them. Just love them with the love of Jesus. Now, as you aren't perfect, neither are they. Remember kind of last week when we talked about it, the people that maybe you're praying about that the Lord has brought into your life to make you more like Jesus, they're probably saying the same thing about you. You know? thing is, as, um, as much as they are aggravating you, you're probably aggravating them too because you're not perfect and neither are they. So we don't need to be sitting on this high throne looking down but more like on the porch looking out. <laughs> you know? Be steady. Your kids are going to mess up. If they haven't already, mark my words. But unconditional love, hear me today, unconditional love keeps the door open for the relationship to resume. You hear me? Unconditional love keeps the door open for the relationship to resume. Possibly even better than it was before, in fact. At least I'm going to speak that out in faith. Right? The prodigal dad never ran after his son. But he did run towards his son with arms and heart wide open when his son returned home. He didn't turn away because his son messed up. In fact, he embraced him. He accepted him. And he loved him unconditionally. The relationship was restored. And what was thought to be dead was made alive again. So dads, remain faithful in the midst of the challenges and the tests because faithfulness matters. Parenthood is not for the faint of heart, amen? But thank God, and this is my last point today, that we're, that we're not left alone to figure this thing out. 
Because God is with us. Always. One of the more comforting titles of Jesus given by Isaiah the prophet is Emmanuel. Do you know what Emmanuel means? You do, don't you? God with us. So Jesus Christ is our Emmanuel. Jesus Christ is our God with us. He is there with us through every trial, in every season, at all times. God is with us. He provides what we need. He provides it when we need it and at the sufficient levels that we need it at all times. No lack, no shortages, no restraints. God is with you. I don't know how to parent well. God does through you. I didn't have a very good example. Let Jesus be your example. He can help us. Men of God, I understand that. It, I, I still, I remember the day that we brought Cameron home. This little baby. Up to that point, we had never taken a baby with us anywhere. But here's a brand new baby. And I couldn't believe that those people at the hospital were actually letting us take this little baby home. I kept looking around thinking that surely I'm going to get arrested here. But this is our baby. But what they didn't include with that was this instruction manual. Uh, see ya oh and by the way here's your bill but see ya you know but you know what instruction manual that we have you're holding it in your hands God's word yeah and the author I know the author of the story as we sang and he's mine and he's mine at all times let's go back to the story of Elijah for just a second because we look in 1 Kings and we were introduced to him in 1 Kings 17 1 now let's read the next few verses after that starting in verse 2 then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Now, he just dropped the bomb. There's going to be a drought and a famine until my word, see it, Ahab. And then God said to Elijah, leave here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Okay, I think that was a given. I'm, I'm already out of here because I just did what I said to Ahab and he's going to kill me. So, yeah, duh, leave here. And then turn eastward and hide in the Kirith Ravine east of the Jordan. You're going to drink from the brook and I've directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him, and he went to the Kirith Ravine, each of the Jordan stayed there. Now, keep in mind, there's this famine and this drought in the land. No food, no water, but God sent him to a place in this ravine where the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, two square meals a day, and he drank from the brook. So he had all that he needed. Hmm. But what does that tell us? That tells us today... That as we move forward to 2022, that in the midst of the evil, in the midst of a severe drought, that God sent Elijah to a safe haven to be fed and refreshed and protected. And as faithful as he was then, he is faithful today for us in this generation. We're in those times today, folks. Evil abounds. I believe it's never been more difficult and challenging to be a parent and a follower of Jesus than in the current times in which we're living. We see all across the spectrum that Satan is pulling out every single stop that he can because he knows that his time is short. The attack on families is on multiple fronts. I'll just touch a couple of things here. Schools are indoctrinating our children with things that have nothing to do with reading and writing and math. I am so thankful that I was not in 
that, that we weren't indoctrinated with that. But our kids today are facing these things daily. I don't know if you know this, but there's drag queens that are reading sexually suggestive and provocative books to our little children in our school libraries and school boards are introducing gender confusion to these impressionable minds of our precious children. And that's just one example of what's going on in our children's lives. They're being, it's an onslaught and attack of our most precious, valuable resource, and that's our children. We justifiably get upset and demand laws be passed to address shootings in our, of our little children in our schools. While at the same time, riots and storming of Supreme Court justice homes because they might overturn Roe v. Wade. It doesn't make sense. So, so it's okay for our children to be killed in one way, but not in another. It doesn't make sense. It tells you where we are today. We live in an upside down time. Right is wrong, wrong is right. But in the midst of all of this, God is with us. By the way, legislation can never fix what is a matter of an evil heart. New laws are not what we need. What we need is repentance and revival. And a turning back to God is what America needs. Families are broken from adultery and divorce and pornography and drug addiction and indebtedness and so many other things. Americans are no longer putting God first as their foundation upon who they should build their homes upon. But in the midst of all of this, God is with us. <laughs> In the midst of the onslaught of this unprecedented evil being celebrated and rampant immorality all around us, God is with us. He's leading us to places of refuge as he did Elijah. Where's your ravine? I'll tell you where your ravine is. It's God's presence. You don't have to go physically someplace. You just, where you are right now, say, God, I need your presence. Wherever you are, he's there with you because God is with you. And so where God is, is his presence, right? So where's your ravine? Where's your place of refuge? It's in his presence. It's under the shelter of his wings. It's that place that we hide and are protected and are comforted and taken care of. Father, help us to remember that our ravine, our place of shelter, is under your wings. You, Lord God, are our place of refuge. Amen? Amen. As Elijah was given provision, he's also leading us to places of provision. What is our food today? You're holding it in your hands. It's God's word. It's that daily manna. It's that new thing today that he wants to show you. I've read that scripture a hundred times, but the hundred and first time it hit me right between the eyes. How many can relate to that? Right? Because it's what you need when you need it. He's leading us to that place of provision. God, I'm hungry. I don't know what to do. Here's my words. Feast on it. Feed on it today. This should not be your only spiritual meal this week. I know you eat every day. I know you eat every day. I know you do. Most of you. At least one meal. You would never deny your physical bodies that, but we are starving our spiritual hearts and souls 
when we're not engaged in God's word on a daily basis. He's leading us to that place of provision. He's given it to us. Draw from it. Feed upon his word. And let it bring strength and clarity and direction and help and instruction and equip you in every possible way to be the man of God and to be the father that God's called you to be. He's leading us to a place of refreshing, just like he did with Elijah. The brook was there. He could drink from it. In the midst of the drought, there was water running on through the brook. Isn't that awesome? In the midst of the drought and the famine, there was food. These birds were bringing food to him. Where'd they come from? From heaven. It was just man. It was just God. Just I mean, he can crave food. He's doing the same for us. In the midst of the drought, there's water, refreshing water. What is our water? It's God's Spirit. It's His Holy Spirit. It's His anointing. It's His power from on high. Oh, Father, won't you refresh us on a daily basis in your spirit, in your presence. Refresh us, Lord God. Let us drink from the well that will never run dry. We need you, Lord God, because you're with us and you've given us provision. You've not called us to do this on our own. You've given us what we need. Our refuge is in you. Our provision is your word. Our refreshing is your spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Would you thank him this morning that he's given us these things? Would you give him a praise this morning? Amen. 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 Think about that. What do I do, Pastor? What do I do? Run to God. That's what you do. He's with you. What do I do? Read his word and study it. Get into his word. Feed on it. What do I do? Let his spirit fill you and refresh you and empower you. That's what you do. That's what you do. That's what you do. That's what you do. Pastor, I don't know where to turn. Turn to God. He's with you. I don't know what to do. Read his word. I don't know what to do. Let his spirit empower you and strengthen you. That's what you do. He's led us to those places. He's provided all that we need because God is with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. Hallelujah. All right. Dads and granddads, as I wrap this up today, Elijah was just a man just like you, just like me. Yeah? He had his high moments. He had his low moments. Dads, you ever have your high moments? You ever have your low moments? Yeah, I get it. You ever feel like that, man, I just messed up big time? <laughs> or you ever go away and say, man, that was pretty good. Yeah? Welcome to life. Welcome to fatherhood. Elijah got exhilarated when things were going well. If you know anything about his story, not long after that, he, he faced all these false prophets and, you know, the whole sacrifices and cutting up of the, the rams and the bulls and he called fire down from heaven. And that was a pretty good day. That was a pretty good day. That was a good day. You read that story. It went long after that. It was a good day. But guess what? Right after that, that was a pretty bad day. Because like the next day, he was running for his life, running to the mountains because Jezebel said, I'm killing you, man. <laughs> and the next day, he was suicidal. He was depressive. I mean, talk about highs and lows. <laughs> talk about life. Talk about, boy, can I relate to that, right? Right? When things weren't going well, he was depressed. When things were going well, he was exhilarated. The man was not perfect. 
He was just a man. He was a prophet of God. And we can put him on this high pedestal like, oh, Elijah. Yeah, Elijah. Just a man just like you and me. God used him greatly. He stood firm. He didn't waver. He served God in a very challenging time in the nation's history. Elijah wasn't perfect, but God was with him. And God is with you. Man, would you say this with me? Say, God is with me. Say it again. God is with me. 24-7, God is with you. Not just right now. Not just in this gathering. He's here with you. He's there with you. He's everywhere with you. And He can help you to make right choices for your family. He can help you to remain faithful in a faithless culture. The world doesn't need more Omri's and Ahab's. There's plenty of those. The world needs more Elijah's. Men of God. Dads, granddads, men. Let God give you all that you need to walk this out in ways that will honor Him. And set up your kids to be the men and the women of God that He has designed for them to be. Yeah? That's the legacy. Just ask God for His help because He's right there. Now, will you mess up? Yeah. Is God faithful to redeem things when you do? Uh, yeah. Being a parent may be the hardest job in the entire world, but God has entrusted you some precious treasure in your children and in your grandchildren. And He doesn't make mistakes. He says, I'm going to give you these kids. I'm going to give you these grandkids because I know you can do well as you depend on me. It's never too late to do the right thing. Guys, it's never too late to make the right choices. It's never too late to commit to being faithful. It's never too late to trust God to provide all you need to help you be the best dad, the best mom, the best parent that we can be. So I want to pray for the parents and the grandparents today. In fact, if everyone would stand in, men, I just want you to come up here. Whether you're a current dad, a future dad, a grandparent, or some people that are looking up to you that are younger than you or whatever. I just, I'm just calling all the men up. Every man. Do you qualify? If you're a man today, this is for you. A young man, a teenager, every man, every man. Yes, John, you come up here too. Future dads, I want you to come up here. Every man, every man. Right. I want you to look at this, the potential. Look at all this. Re look at look look at all the power, men. You have power here today. Look at the resources of these men right here. These men of God. Now, women, I want you to pray for these men. You're here, if you're watching from home, and you can separate yourself out a little bit, men, just take a step up. Get up where you're sitting and step up towards the camera someplace. And then, woman of God, if you're there, pray over your man. Now, women, I want you to extend your hands out. I want you to pray for these, women, uh, these men here. Yeah. Because we need prayer, don't we, guys? Yeah. Now, if you guys want to link arms or put your hand on shoulders or whatever you want to do, I mean, that's cool too, all right? Because, man, let's, let's be a band of brothers here today, right? Band of brothers. 
and our brothers, men of God, men of God, bow your heads. Father, we thank you today that you're here to help us. We need your help. We can't do this on our own. And really from this moment on, we won't do this on our own. That's a choice we make. We make a declaration that today is our day to turn the corner to say, I want to be faithful. I want to be loving. I want to be patient. I want to be present. I want to trust you, Lord God, that you're going to help me. My choices matter from this moment on. And I know today, Lord God, is, is the best day for me to make that choice. That it's never too late to do the right thing. And so starting today, I'm going to do the right thing based on your word. And I'm going to trust in you, Lord God, to leave a legacy to model for my, to, to those that are looking up to me. Spouses, children, grandchildren, whoever they would be that are looking up to me. I'm going to model the right things. And I'm going to leave a legacy, Lord God, for those that are looking up to me. That will pave the way to, to, to open up the doors for them to fulfill your purposes for their life. Father, I thank you today that you're helping us to be faithful. Just to be faithful. Just to show up. Just to be there. Just to love and be patient and trust you with the process. Just like the prodigal dad did. If there's prodigal sons and daughters out there represented in this group, Father, we're going to trust you, Lord God, that what, 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 what's going on in their hearts, you're working on their hearts. And Father, as much as we want to take matters into our own hands and do something about it, we can't. We're going to mess it up. We're going to get in front of you and we're going to, we're going to yank those reins from you. And No, we're not going to do that. We're going to trust you, Lord God. You got the reins. And Father, we pray for our sons and daughters right now. We pray for our children. We pray for our grandchildren, Lord God. Oh God, work in their hearts wherever they are. Whatever's going on in their hearts, if they've strayed from you, if they're walking in deceit, if they're walking in blindness, if they're, if they're being fooled, Lord God, if they're walking in unforgiveness, if they're walking in anger, if they're, if they're, if they're consumed by the sin in their life and they're living in a, in, a, in a place that is not destined and designed for you in their lives, Lord God, rescue them right now. We, we pray, God, that you would dispatch your rescuing angels and, and open up their eyes. Let them come to their senses just like the prodigal son did, Lord God, in their pigs sty of wherever they are Lord God that they would come to their senses and say wait a minute in my father's house there's love there's acceptance there's there's goodness there, there's there, there's all that I need father God we pray for prodigal sons and daughters and those that you Lord Lord you know who they are that are represented here God we dispatch your angels right now your Holy Spirit right now to minister Lord God and to stir in their hearts to bring them out of their bondage and their and their deceit and God rescue them I pray and turn their hearts back home turn their hearts back home we thank you God that you're with us be with us God God I pray that as you did for Elijah, you do for these men of God here today. Jesus, that we would remember that you have provided for us a ravine. You provided for us a, a place of shelter. That's, that's you, Lord God. That's your presence, Lord God. I pray that you would help us. It's not a sign of weakness to depend on you. There's no stronger man of God than, there's no stronger man than a man who depends on God completely. And I pray, Lord God, that we would be the men of God that you called us to be and acknowledge that we can't do this on our own. We come against pride and we come against the things that, that, would, that we would say, oh, we can't, uh, I can do this. No, we can't do any of this on our own. We can't. We need you with us. So, Father, we hide under the shelter of your wing right now. 
We thank you that you've given that to us. We thank you that you've given us your word, Lord God. Let us get into your word and let it be a daily manna for us that strengthens us, that guides us, that encourages us, that corrects us, that admonishes us, that helps us along the way, that equips us to be what you've called us to be, the men of God for this generation that you've called us to be. We're going to be the Elijahs of our generation. We're not going to be the Ahabs of our generation. I pray, God, that you'd help us to rely on your Holy Spirit, that refreshing that water of refreshing, Lord God. Holy Spirit, fill us right now. Empower us right now. Oh God, let it wash over us, not just today, but every day, to be the men of God that you called us to be, to lead our families, to lead our communities, to lead this nation, Lord God, into the righteous and holy, pure things that you called us to live out as Elijah did. And Father, I thank you that in the good times and the bad, you're still good. You're still God. You're consistent. You're still there. You're with us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. I pray a blessing over the men of God in this church. Help us to be the men of God that you called us to be in every possible way. And I thank you, Lord God, that you got our children. And we're just going to love them and, and trust you with them. But Father, help us from this day on. Let today be the line of demarcation. That it's never too late to do the right things. We're going to do the right things with your help. Not perfectly, but we're leaning into you from this day on. Take the junk out. Oh, take the examples that, we, that are in us, uh, that, are, that are not there, that are not pleasing to you, that are detrimental, that are not helpful. And God, help us to walk in Christ-likeness towards our children, our spouses, our co-workers, our neighbors, in our church, and our friends, and those that, are, uh, that, are, that we have influence over. Help us from this day on to do the right things based on your word. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen. Amen. Let's give God praise this morning. Men of God, you're right to give someone a hug and a high five. Amen. Amen.